You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Back to a regular schedule here, at least for the time being, after dropping a late-night episode of the pod last night. How are you doing, Nada? Are you caught up on sleep at all, and has it been as rigorous covering the election today as it was yesterday? Oh no, we're back to we're back to normal. I'm very very happy about being back to normal, and I am like literally I'm happy I'm happy to be back to normal and do, covering regular news right now because if I had to do any more election stuff, I, I actually no, I'm probably still gonna have to do some more election stuff, but we'll see. I'm hopefully hopefully right. just stays quiet. Um, yeah, and we can talk about the Charlotte Hornets in the meantime. We're part mm-hmm. of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. Got a question in from Nick Denning, friend of the show, Interzeller, at Interzeller, I believe is his Twitter handle. Um, so we'll reference that in um, in later on in the show. Zach Lowe dropped some content for us today. Nada, he actually talked about the Charlotte Hornets quite a bit in his big offseason preview, what we can expect from a bunch of different teams, Giannis's future, all-star trades, the NBA draft, everything else to watch um, this offseason. So we'll get to that in a moment. And then also we uh, have some news that came in yesterday about when the league might actually start. Um, given that December 22nd proposed start date actually does look like there is some momentum gaining and uh, it looks like the NBA will start then. But let's go ahead and jump into what Zach Lowe had to say about the Charlotte Hornets, not as we've been talking a lot about the rumors that have been circulating this franchise. Zach Lowe writes, depending on whether Minnesota or Golden State covets a specific prospect, the next logical step would be trading down. That has placed the focus upon the Charlotte Hornets sitting at number three with an obvious need for a big man. The Hornets have heard speculation Golden State is leaning toward James Wiseman at number two. That would appear to put Minnesota in a position to squeeze Charlotte for a bounty. Something like number three, Miles Bridges, and at least least one lightly protected future first-round pick to move up to number one. And then he goes on to say, and drafts with a no-brainer top pick, the value gap between number one and number three is enormous. This is not that sort of draft. Let's reference this a little bit because I think we're going to spend most of the first segment on that mm-hmm. trade proposal and then kind of put together our own package if we indeed had to go up to number one. Zach Lowe again, number three, Miles Bridges, and at least one lightly protected future first round pick to move up to number one um, in exchange with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Nana, we've talked about it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Zach Lowe is teetered with this kind of proposal a little bit. I know he mentioned it on the low post podcast. I don't know if he mentioned another lightly protected first round pick. I think it was just more so miles bridges and number three. What do you make of this type of trade proposal that Zach not reporting, just kind of playing around hypothesizing might what it might take to, to move up. What do you make of uh, the proposal that Zach Lowe puts here in his article? It's too much. Quite honestly, it's way too much. It's way too much. Um, I think in this draft, because again, he also prefaces it with this draft. Like this is not the draft where there's a clear number one guy. I don't think James Wiseman is a clear number one. Again, we've talked about this a lot. There is no clear talent. No one knows where the real talent and the real rub lies with this entire draft. So 
if you're telling me that you're going to dedicate real assets to get to number one, to get your guy that you're not necessarily sure is going to be a star, that feels foolhardy, doesn't it? It does. No, look, we, we've talked about it. I can't, I can't stand this type of trade. If it takes anything close to this, then no. In fact, we do have a locked on podcast mock draft coming up. Mm-hmm. Podcast network mock draft. We're enduring it right now. In fact, the Charlotte Hornets are up at number three. I don't want to reveal that information on who we're going to select. I will say we have fielded quite a bit of offers as we to we've, we've gotten emails, and phone calls, if you will, for the sake of the game. We've gotten phone calls from Locked On Minnesota or Locked On Timberwolves, I should say, and Locked On Warriors to see if we would be interested in moving up. I told both of them, no, I would not be interested in moving up. And not a, I spoke for both of us because we've talked about it so much on the podcast. I know you have not been one that's interesting, uh, interested in moving up either. When we got the proposal from Wes Goldberg of Locked On Warriors, he asked a very fair deal to move up to number two. He said, would you be interested in swapping picks? You get two, we get three, but we also get Miles Bridges. And that wasn't including the lightly protected future first round pick here. And I don't even want to do that. Nada. And this, oh. this is someone that even understands. And this is me who isn't even as high on miles bridges as a lot of other Hornets fans might be. I still don't want to risk being wrong, risk giving up a rotation player that has some upside in certain areas and has shown flashes for sure. I can admit that I don't want to give up miles bridges to move up one slot, especially not if we're talking about a future first round pick that's heavily protected, let alone a lightly protected future first round pick. And Zach Lowe says at least, which is why I'm kind of taken aback by his comment of this is not the draft that the value gap between number one and number three is enormous. That he's, It's not. Zach Lowe is right. And yet it seems like that trade proposal does seem to give up a ton in order to move up. And I know Rick Bennell mentioned the same thing on Twitter when he quote tweeted it. He said, um, I would be shocked to see that the Charlotte Hornets would do this. And, you know, Rick Bennell being as tapped into that organization as anyone, I'm glad to see that he would be shocked if the Hornets would do it. Doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean that he's reporting that. He's just saying he would be shocked. And you know what I would be too. So would I. I mean, here's the thing. If it, as much as they've said, okay, we like a Congo, because again, if I'm not mistaken, Wasserman came out with a tweet today thinking that the highest that Okongwu is going to go is three. So there's legitimate interest saying, okay, the Charlotte Hornets will be okay with either center right now, Okongwu or Wiseman. It's like Pepsi and Coke, except we know that Coke is better. So therefore we like Okongwu a little bit better. So therefore (laughs) uh, it's just one of those things. Like, I don't think they care. I think. And maybe, maybe they do, but let's just say, I mean, even in my instance where I I'm, I'm scared of the lack of height that a Kongwu has, even with the versatility defensively, Mm -hmm. they just don't make them a ton. Like Wiseman seven, one, that athletic, I recognize that that guy has unicorn type potential. And if it means giving up assets to move up, to go get Wiseman or settling for an Anyeka Kongwu, then just take a Kongwu without giving up the assets because you can't, I mean, are are you truly willing to bet so much so on the fact that Wiseman is going to be a better player and a much better player and a player that you're willing to risk assets enough for to go get because he's going to be that much better. Are are you truly saying that that is the kind of player that James Wiseman is compared to a Kongwu or 
Do you just want to get a Kung Wu and then be bad again and then go into next season with another high draft pick and a loaded class? It actually leads us to Nick Denning's question that he asked us on Twitter. So we'll take a quick break. We'll get to Nick Denning's question. We also have some other things we want to address from the Zach Lowe article has a, a few more things that he talks about regarding the Charlotte Hornets. That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man. Dinner dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner. Swing it into a lunch. Maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So our boy, Nada, your boy, Nick Denning, at Interzeller. He asked us at Lockdown Hornets, at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe. Question for the show today. Given how uncertain and, quote, weak, end quote, this draft class is, does it make more sense for the Hornets to draft for need, either Wiseman or Okongwu, now and swing for the star next draft? So draft one of those big guys now and then mm-hmm. swing for the star in the next draft. He would go also on to say, my reasoning here is that the Hornets could find their solid five-man this draft, ideally a Kongwu in his opinion, and then draft the star wing next season. Not, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if it's, if it's such a narrow gap between the two where Wiseman might have the higher ceiling offensively, showcases maybe a little bit better touch, um, someone that does provide you seven one size with an ability to run the floor like the deer and like a deer and is going to be someone that you know is a is a great lob threat now maybe you can build and expound upon his um, game going forward and you trust the developmental system it yeah like we, we can see the the strengths and the weaknesses between the two prospects here um, but it is a little enticing to go with the Kongwu who can just be a solid, maybe to even, you know, maybe a fantastic defender that you're limited a little bit offensively with him, you know, but still you can be bad and draft a star in next year's class that is supposed to be star studded. I completely agree with this line of thinking. It, it makes a lot of sense to me to take a Kongwu and then, you know, select whoever as the star wing next year. Oh, I agree. This, this makes complete sense. And I mean, Mr. LaCroix and Nick Denning himself, I mean, he, right. <laughs> he, make, he, makes, he makes a really excellent point there. So the, I guess with everything going the way it is, big man fits what they have. It also basically makes, it puts Cody Zeller in play for next year, uh, for, again, dealing him to the highest bidder and getting more assets for something like that. Right. I, no, I, go ahead. I am, I am, again, it makes more sense to do it this way unless you believe in one of the wings. And if one of the wings is there, that's the only way this changes. Like, that's the only way the calculus changes. If you, if a, and I'm not necessarily so sure it's LaMelo Ball, but if LaMelo's there or if Anthony Edwards there, that's the only way this calculus changes. Otherwise, it may, again, at this point, it just makes sense to draft a big man and get the best wing available at somewhere later in the draft. I want to go back to Zach Lowe's offseason preview. He goes on to say, uh, this is not the draft that you have that big talent gap. And then after that, he would say, I'm not quite convinced Charlotte's appetite for Wiseman is so strong as to meet the kind of price Minnesota or Golden State might demand. The Hornets might be fine settling for Anyeka Kongwu, as we did in this Nick Denning scenario. They could also trade for a veteran big, a placeholder like Al Horford or someone 
maybe Miles Turner, who better fits their timeline. What do you think of what Zach Lowe had to say there, where they could possibly just trade for veteran big, not go after a Kong Wu and or James Wiseman, and instead get someone on a massive contract, albeit very old and certainly in the twilight of his career in Al Horford, or we've already talked about the Miles Turner scenario. What do you think of a couple of the things that Zach Lowe proposed right there? Is it bad that I'm starting to warm up to the idea of Al Horford? Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> like, like I, here's the thing, because the more I think about this, you still have a very extremely young team. You need someone on this team that's going to tell the younger guys where to be. You, you can't have it just in the coaching staff, unfortunately. And the more I think about it, the more like Al Horford makes sense if they want to go that route and stay and keep the ability to take best player available. And if best player available is Anthony Edwards, Al Horford coming in to be that veteran leadership that you're going to need because who's, who's left is biz staying. Uh, Cody's not that, that, that locker room guy. So someone's going to need to be that older locker room veteran presence to tell kids, okay, this is how you work. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. And if you don't have that, I kind of wonder what's going to be, because again, the coaches can only do so much. So if you're going to do that, I think you need a veteran. I'm okay with Al Horford provided the price, provided I mean, the amount of first round picks that you get, because it's going to not you're welcoming. You're, you're welcoming a Nick Batum contract to the roster that's under control for three years that you're on the not even under control under control is a positive term. You're stuck with this for three years with Al Horford. And look, the only kind of scenario that I would see that's beneficial with having Al Horford on the roster. Sure. The veteran leadership. I don't want to pay close to $30 million for veteran leadership, but yes, you would have that come a part of the equation. The only other thing that I would say is beneficial with getting Al Horford would be, let's say you trade for him and you get some kind of assets in return to take on this contract because clearly Philadelphia would want to do this to create cap space because they're they're hindered right now with all the money that they have on the book. So we'd be doing them a solid. Let's get some benefits and assets because of it. So you do that. And then let's say that you transform Al Horford into a player that resembles what he was with Boston as this really coveted guy. And then somebody else says, you know what? That contract isn't so bad for the 35-year-old big guy, which is going to be tough. But let's just say that you reclamate Al Horford's reputation and another team would be wanting to give you more assets for the rights to take on that contract. And that just seems a little far-fetched to me. Three years, that deal is on the books, Nada. It's just too rich for me, man. How many first... But I think with Daryl Morey there and his proclivity to deal first round picks like they're worth nothing, especially if they're in the low twenties. I'm kind of like, if uh, that's why I keep saying it depends on the price. I'm okay with it for the price. And more importantly, this team, it, again, it's in three years. This team has the cleanest cap sheet in the league and it's only getting cleaner. You are going to have a lot of money available. It's best to start taking on assets. And if you're going to get a whole bunch of assets for now, Horford, I don't entirely hate it, especially I, when we're talking about team building. So you're, you're right to bring up Daryl Morey here, who is now a part of Philadelphia because he does like to give up first round picks. The thing is he likes to give up first round picks for talent. I don't know how much he gives up first round picks in order to just create cap space. He recognizes that he needs that for talent. That's 
That's why he traded all the first round picks for Russell Westbrook. He did so for Chris Paul. You know, we know what he did with James Harden, which was a different kind of trade. But when looking for that second star to put alongside James Harden, you know, we, we heard about the proposed trades that were there for a possible Jimmy Butler. But he's more so doing that to try to go get stars. Does he do that to move on from Al Horford? You know, maybe if if you're getting a ton of first round picks, then fine. The thing is, you know, that you you have to think that Philly is going to finish atop of the standings, even though, you know, some some great things could happen for Charlotte in that scenario. Maybe Philly flames out and you get a better pick than you um, thought you would. I understand all that. I just the thing. Another thing about the, the, the deal, Nada, is. I'm I'm with bringing on some bad contracts here and there for a year or two, but Al Horford's deal is still on the books on the other side of what you think could possibly be a rebuild. And that's a problem to me. And so I just think it's too long. That's not anything that I'd be interested in. Uh, I want to go back. We've got plenty more. Let's just continue to go to the content. Well, that mm-hmm. Zach Lowe dug for us on ESPN.com. We'll talk a little bit more about what he had to say on Devonte Graham and how uh, Charlotte might want to use that $50 million of cap space. We'll talk about that in the last segment of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. (laughs) Matt Thomas, I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Going back to the well, not as Zach Lowe writes, mm-hmm. Charlotte could carry more than $50 million of cap space into the 2021 offseason. That is a recipe for bad decisions. It would not be the worst thing to preemptively use some now in a trade and maybe in an extension for Devonte Graham. Then he would kind of put a bow on all of his Charlotte takes by saying, but if Minnesota has no strong leaning or prefers LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards to Wiseman, extracting something from Charlotte is still worth it even if it's not a complete heist. Doesn't have faith, something we've heard from Zach Lowe a ton. Doesn't have faith in Charlotte's decision-making. And granted, there's been a lot of evidence as to why he might not have faith in Charlotte Hornets and the franchise's decision-making. But we've talked about the Devontae Graham thing. We've talked about how they might use that $50 million in cap space. He also just mentions, um, you know, Minnesota trying to you know, figure out anything to get from Charlotte, Charlotte's organization And I just, I think what we can see from Mitch Kupchak's past, not having made an in-season trade, at least to this point in his tenure with Charlotte, and we can go back to the Marcus All rumors, Mm -hmm. it it just seems like Mitch Kupchak isn't going to get ran over. And it's it's nice. I mean, when, when we saw what Rich Cho did here in Charlotte, there's some good trades that he made, and we'll give him credit for that. There were also some really, really head-scratching trades where Rich Cho would be like, oh, you want a second-round pick? Um, all right, here you go. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you know, we'll, we'll take on Miles Plumley. Sure. Like, we can go down the, the list of bad trades. It just seemed like Rich Cho was willing to give up the second-round picks and maybe some more assets and would agree to a trade. And Mitch Kupchak isn't going to get ran over. I don't think he's going to get run over here when trying to negotiate a deal to possibly move up to number one with Minnesota and or number two with Golden State. I don't think he's going to get run over because I don't think the leverage is that great. I honestly don't think there's a market to trade down because no one wants to one pay them, pay the money. Cause I believe it's going to be at least 10, 10 million. If not again, you know, granted with the new cap structure, it may be a little bit less, but no one's going to want to pay that kind of money and dedicate that for a guy they're not sure about. And 
I'm not sure that uh, the Charlotte Hornets want to do that if they're going to be that cap conscious as well, because everyone's going to be that cap conscious. So I'm not sure they're going to want to dedicate something on an unknown thing. They may just sit, sit pat and be like, okay, we're just going to take the best player that we see here on this board and go from there. I, I don't think they're going to do like, it doesn't make any sense. I guess I keep, it keeps coming back to, it doesn't make sense for them to go up for it, something they're, they're either not really sure about or is going to cost them too much and hurt them down the, down the line in terms of development. It Everything. just seems like everybody's running rampant with all of this, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I say everybody, we've referenced Zach Lowe a couple of times. And then I guess from Kevin O'Connor's mock draft, that's what a lot of aggregators are taking from and using that as content. So, you know, fair enough. I have no problem with that. I just want to keep it into context as it's not everybody coming in with, yeah, my sources are saying this too. Oh yeah, I'm confirming it. I'm confirming it. It's not necessarily that. It just is a big part of the conversation. And then here it is again with Zach Lowe willing to put it in print i I just it it, it makes you think you know this is a real possibility on the flip side what we've seen from mitch kupchak and what we've seen this team operate and how they've operated in the past i just can't imagine they'd be willing to give up a first round pick so we'll see what happens with uh, the charlotte hornets on draft night real quickly i also wanted to mention that the nba it does look like they are reaching an agreement they're uh, near an agreement to start on december 22nd this being from the nba Board of Governors and the Players Association. So um, the report comes in from Woj. It it also comes in from Zach Lowe that they are expected to reach an agreement to begin play on December 22nd and playing a reduced 72-game schedule. So uh, what do you make of some of that news, Not Are you happy that we're here? Did you think this was going to get ugly? And, uh, you know, are you surprised that it didn't get ugly, if that's what you thought? I didn't get surprised. I'm not surprised it didn't get ugly because, unfortunately... Like we are at the point where they get all the NBA has got to do is show them the TV revenue and basically say, Hey, look, this is your, this is where you guys are going to take a massive hit financially. If you do not come back by before Christmas. And I don't think the NBA could afford to lose the Christmas games because I think we would have absolutely seen the NFL move some games to Christmas to take advantage of the Christmas window. So I think the NBA had to come back. I don't think they like to come back. And more importantly, you couldn't have guys that basically had a 10-month layoff. I think we're going to get some bad basketball out of this. We're going to get some hard basketball out of this. And that's why I keep thinking to myself, everyone that keeps thinking that this is going to be some super competitive season, it may not. We may have a lot of teams that hover around 20 wins that have no business hovering around 20 wins. The Charlotte Hornets might be among those teams. So this is going to get really interesting. But in terms of everything, like, the money dict- money dictates everything, so it didn't surprise me that mm. December 22nd is the start date. It does benefit the Hornets, though. I'm glad to see that they'll be able to get back in the swing of things early and because of the long layoff that they had. The two-week camp that they were provided, it's really more for camaraderie. James mm-hmm. Borrego said it about a million times, which has its place, in my opinion, but it doesn't mean anything that it, this is a team that came together and they're going to come out guns ablazing at the beginning of the season. I'm just glad that they are going to start a little earlier so the Charlotte Hornets can get back on track and to, and, uh, to playing organized basketball. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Always appreciate you guys for supporting the show. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. We have a mock draft that we're currently undergoing. It's actually our turn to select. 
Nod and I are going to do that right after the podcast. Maybe we talk about it tomorrow. We might have a pod out there on Monday as to uh, why we made the decision that we did. Did we make any trades back? Did we select one of my favorite players towards the teens of the draft? Or did we just decide to stay home at three and pick the best player available? Uh, You can check us out again tomorrow or Monday and also check out some of the other shows. If you're interested in what the Warriors are going to do, if you're interested in what the Bulls might do behind us, again, you can find all those shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great day. 